I was going to say something that we're not going to record, but it, I mean, I might not even get there. All right, next class. Sounds like this. All hell breaks loose. That's the title. And guess who's the target? Okay. Sub, we have little subtitles. The Tribulation, the Wrath of God, and Messianic Jews. You're reading Revelation, right? Are you aware of the two, two, not one, but two verses in Revelation that say the main target of satanic attack are Messianic Jews? You say, it says that? Yeah, I'll, we'll show you that. The main target, it's you. Anybody want to sign up? You guys who are new might want to think this over. And in all seriousness, Yeshua did say, count the cost. If you want to align yourself with believing Jews in the end times, you're a target. You're going to be a target. Just know that. However, if you keep reading in Revelation, guess who wins? Guess who prevails? Yes, yes. And what gets me is this. Is that the, the, they're getting killed. They're, they're beheaded. I mean, all this kind of stuff, right? And then those guys instantly, this is good news, instantly go to heaven. Where it's like, what took you so long? We've been having such a great time up here. There is no, oh, you died. It was so awful. That doesn't even show up. He was like, this is the greatest thing you've ever seen. It's like the huge contrast. Huge contrast. I mean, the, the horrible death and destruction is coming from Satan and the wrath of God. I'll tell you about that in a moment. But then at the same time, those people are instantly in his presence in, in worship that's unbelievable. And it's like there's no transition. It's not like, um, um, boy, you guys went through a tough time. No, it was like, uh, you, you need counseling, but trauma? Count? No. It was like the greatest worship of all time. <clears throat> What that, is show, what that is showing us <coughs> pardon me, is that the devil's going to give his best, okay, and he loses. Now, part of where I was going to go today in my teaching, I was, we'll, we'll see if we get there, has to do, because the, the holiday season has to do with repentance. Now, it's one thing, if you don't, I don't know that that's a sin. Well, okay, we just, Bible says that's a sin. Okay, now what? Well, Bible says to repent of that sin. Well, okay. But if you know something is a sin, and you know you need to repent, but you choose in your own free will, you were here last week, right? Your own free will, not to repent. Okay? That's a different story. Now, uh, what happens in Revelation is that there comes a point in time, about halfway through, the great uh, tribulation, that the, the clarity is given. We, everybody sees who's who. This is, this is the stuff of God. This is the stuff of Satan. And, and the, the, the horrible uh, response is, uh, and they did not repent. It keeps saying that. And they did not repent. And they did not repent. Blatant refusal to repent before God. I mean, it's, it's this, the final rebellion. Final rebellion. And you think, how can that be? What happens is, and Jack will explain all this a little bit the next week for us, uh, 
uh, Jack and I are, are kind of sharing the teaching uh, uh, next week in the service. We're introducing the book of Revelation. We're starting early, getting a head start here. And, and so, um, as this begins to happen and we begin to understand what all these things are saying, it, it's like uh, what, what has been hidden is unveiled and revealed. Not just the good stuff. Evil is, is revealed. And as, you, as you've seen, our laws, look how fast they're changing. People are intentionally choosing evil and choosing wrong. And, and they're, they're redefining again and again and again marriage and family before our very eyes. And they're going in, not in the direction of Scripture. And, and so what, what we see there is that they're beginning to sin with knowledge. Okay? It's one thing to sin without the knowledge, and God reveals it to you. Oh, okay. But I know. I'm choosing this side. And the false messiah, you know, the anti-messiah, anti-Christ, the beast, the false prophet, they're not hidden. They are totally, completely revealed on who they are. You'll say, well, how will we know? You will know. Well, hopefully you're not here. But people that are here, they will know. It's clear who, who that is at that point in time. And people clearly make the choice to follow him. Follow evil. Follow wrong. And not follow Yeshua. And you say, how in the world do they do that? But that's what they do. And there's a little time out in there that says, by the way, remember a long time ago when Satan was in heaven? You remember my, my teaching from 18 million years ago, right? On, on uh, the fall of Satan. Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28. Uh, he was a, a mighty angel, a guardian of the throne of God at one point in time. The anointed cherub that covers. That's a long sermon right there. But he sinned against great light. I mean, look at what he sinned against. Look at look what he knew, where he was, what he did. He chose to rebel against that and take one-third of the angels with him. It also says that in Revelation. It's like, oh, by the way, remember when he did that? That's what a deceiver he is. But, but people, and in that case angels, made free will choices, to, in that case to sin against great light. You say, how can they do that? They do that. And we can see today, on our own news, our own laws, people are choosing to sin against great light. And uh, we're going you know, to reap what we sow. But they choose on purpose. So this year, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Teruah, when the shofar is blown, it's a call to repent. It's a call to repent. Because the stages are being set for you and, and for me that uh, we're going to be, it's already happening, we're, we're going to be asked to take a stand. You see, human rights okay, can, can be sin. Think about it. How do I say that? Well, well uh, our own country has said that we're in violation of human rights. The Catholic Church is if they don't provide birth control on, on the, at, the, at, the, at the school uh, dispensary. But see, that violates their theology. But, but, but they, they're saying, no, that violates human rights. You're against women's, women's rights. You're against women's rights. We're not against women's rights. But we are for having the right to stand for what you believe in, your faith. And they're encroaching on us really soon. Last week... Uh, th- this is still being debated, and I'm, in my case, my jury's still out on, on this, but it's one step from us. There was a, a couple, 
a married couple that, that had a photography business, and they, they uh, photographed weddings. And so uh, they were asked to photograph a wedding, and when the, they started talking more, they found out that it was a gay, a gay couple. You're recording this, right? Okay. Careful you send this to. And they said, you know what? This is a violation of our conscience. What we think is right and wrong. You'll have to get someone else to do that. Now, they weren't stopping them from having pictures at their wedding. They were just saying, you can get someone else to do that. They were sued, and they lost. and had to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars. Listen, that just happened, like last week. It's like, wait a second. Uh, the government here, the, whoever, the judges, the judge, making a judgment that, and he said afterwards, his, 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 I'll get the quote. He said, you people, meaning people of faith, are going to have to compromise your belief to uphold the law. All this has been really recent. Just a few years ago, I was a Navy chaplain at Long Beach and so on, and, and uh, uh, this kind of stuff was unheard of. Now, it, they're, they're coming right, right toward us. Because, uh, by the way, Batya, see, we're going to get tested. If people call you, and we don't know, we're not from here, and say, I'd like to book a wedding. Okay, I don't do weddings anymore, okay? Except for you. I'm, that's not my business. I'm not in the business of doing wedding ceremonies. They can go, go, go get married. But the testing is going to be, they're going to, they're going to start encroaching on what our faith is all about, saying, if you don't follow the new laws, you're against human rights, women's rights, men's rights. And that's against the law. So that's, that's right around the corner. So when we're looking at the book of Revelation, those things that are going to be happening, uh, it's clear what's going to happen. Uh, but the issue there, I, I think one of the things, is, and it's, it's very timely for our holidays. It's like, well, don't decide while it's happening what you're going to do. Decide now where you're going to take your stand. It's like prior to the Holocaust in Germany. When it's happening, it's a little bit late. Okay? Decide ahead of time, I will stand with Jews if they're persecuted. Not, what do we do? The trains are coming. What do we do? No. Decide ahead of time. And that is one of the decisions. If you're a part of a Messianic congregation, and if another Holocaust happens, and I believe it will, I believe we have scripture to back that up, where are you going to stand? Because if you're not going to stand with Jewish people, you're in the wrong place. Seriously, if you're not, okay, <laughs> Corey Ten Boom's father put on a star of David. He wasn't a Jew, but he stood with the Jewish people. The king of Denmark put on a star of David. And you know what? It worked. He, he wasn't killed, and, and that was the least amount of Jews that were killed in all of Europe per capita was in his country. When, when he stood for what was right, stand for what's right, not what's popular. But I'm really concerned about our country and where it's going. And the surveys seem to indicate that sort of people who see things kind of the way we do are the majority still. But they're just quiet and not doing anything about it. So there will come a point in time when the rocking, when enough's enough. I'm not sure when, when that is. But you pray and you vote at an election. Okay? You, you can change things with a vote. Do it. Because what they're saying, like last week on the news, these guys, these liberals were saying, 
you know, the conservatives outnumber us, but they don't vote. Therefore, we win. I don't care if you're a liberal or a conservative. If you're in this country, you have the right to be whatever you want, but vote. And when you go to vote, pray about what you're voting about because it will affect all of you. So keep that in mind. Now, as we study Revelation, I'm not going to tread on your stuff, Jack, I promise. What's interesting is what you see in there. You're reading it, right? Over and over, right? Good, good. You will see a, a series of plagues that sure look like the ones in ancient Egypt. Wow, it's almost a repeat of that. Okay, from time past. Very, very similar. But then what you have, oh, and, and then it, it talks about the people giving a chance, being given a chance to repent. Okay, what you have in that first part is the attacks from Satan and his forces against not only us, but against everybody, but in particular Messianic Jews and those who were aligned with, with, with his book. But then, the tables are kind of turned. And you have a repeat of the exact same plague. Oh, by the way, at that point in time, about 50%, if you add this up, 50% of the world's population is wiped out. This is big. This is big. And the events that start taking place, it starts with war, starts with a war, but then it goes into all, every conceivable kind of natural disaster you can think of. Earthquakes, floods, asteroids coming to the earth, I mean, all kinds of stuff. Asteroids coming to the earth? Yeah, it talks about that men and women are going to, it's not just in Revelation. We're going to show you verses in Thessalonians and, 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 and Corinthians, Zechariah, other, other places. It says people are going to die of heart attacks. It says men's hearts will fail them, okay, because of fear, because of what's coming out of the sky. Now, that's not going to kill them. What kills them is they die of a heart attack because they're afraid of it, whatever it is. I don't know what it is. It could be asteroids or whatever, but the end result is that, that half of the world's population is wiped out. That's a big thing. Well, the second round, that's, that's round one. And for those who are involved, they're given a chance to repent. What you see in the book of Revelation in these horrible, horrible, did I say horrible? Horrible things uh, is the grace and mercy and love of God immensely. Because after each event, there's a chance to repent. After each event, a chance to repent. Then there comes a point in time, oh, by the way, if you repent, then the enemy kills you. See, all of a sudden, now there's a cost to standing for what's right. Oh, but then there's the parentheses, and if you die, hallelujah, you're in the biggest party of, of, of eternity. Yeah, look at that, man. It's like, but if you stay, if you don't make the right choice, you fall victim to the attacks of Satan in the beginning. So half the world is wiped out. And, and there's, that, there, there's a prayer meeting that's held. That's the saddest of all time. People pray to die. They pray to die. What kind of, what's, what's going on that they would actually have a prayer meeting and pray to die? It's really bad. However, after each really bad thing, each one like doubles, okay? There's a chance to repent. This is the love and mercy of God, a chance to repent, a chance to repent. But then, there comes a point in time. Remember at our Seder, we talked about Pharaoh, and Moses, and let my people go, and Pharaoh keeps saying, 
Well, okay. Oh, nope. Change my mind. Nope. But then it, it, about a third of the way through, God hardens Pharaoh's heart. Remember my, my, my teaching on that, my 25-second teaching on that? It's, it's what, what is happening is that God then confirms a decision that he freely makes, free will. He freely makes a decision to go against God. Moses is speaking for God and Aaron. Let my people go. They might worship me. He's speaking for God. All right? Now, uh, Pharaoh says, no, you're not going. But then comes a point in time where he has, he has a hardened heart. Now, a hardened heart means this, that God tells you what's right. It, I'm true. The blowing of the shofar, a call to repent. It's for you. Okay? Don't make your list for somebody else. What do you have to repent of to get right with God? See, the great question of Yom Kippur is, are you right with God? Isn't it amazing? He gives you ten days to figure it out versus ten seconds. You're lucky I'm not God. I'll give you ten seconds. You rebel, you got ten seconds. Okay, that's it. No, it gives you ten days. It's symbolic, but it's there. Oh, okay. To take a look within, not without. But the, the great theme of Yom Kippur is, uh, okay, as we're coming into this day, uh, we look here at the end of it as judgment. Judgment. Are you right with God? That's the, that's the question, the, the biggest one. The rabbis all agree on that one. Are you, and if you're not, you've got a few couple hours, get it fixed. Be right with God. Because it, Yom Kippur... And it's in parallel, this is parallel to Revelation. These holidays are parallel to what's happening in the book of Revelation. The books are open. There's more than one book. Which one are you in? All right, the books are open. And it's like, well, your name is not in this book. That's bad. That's really bad. But it's not because you couldn't have had it there. It's because you chose to follow somebody else. And the decisions become clearer and clearer. And you say, how can that be? It's happening before our very eyes. So the sounding of the shofar, Yom Teruah, Rosh Hashanah, is a loving, gracious call of God to repent. To repent. And then if you feel, well, you know, I don't have anything to repent of because I've been doing so good. You better pray a little harder. I told you. Usually what you do is just, just call the guy's wives. Okay, what, how's he doing? Well, I got a long list here. Check with your spouse. No, do, do you see in that God's grace and love and mercy? I'm inviting you to repent. I would go, you're done. But that's not what he does. He, it's, that, it's a picture of his love and his grace and his mercy. As we study the, the book of Revelation, you're going to see holidays there. We, you know, we say, why in the world are we, are we doing this this time of the year? The holidays are in Revelation. You know, the great messianic festival, the one that celebrates the, the arrival of the king. Oh, I didn't tell you what's next on the page. The arrival of the king. What are the people? Where, where does he arrive? Uh, Jerusalem. <laughs> it even tells you the exact coordinates. Mount of Olives, okay, which faces Jerusalem on the east. Same route as the Palm Sunday Road, but this time on the white horse, not the donkey. And he's welcomed. It says, by Jews. We'll show you where it says that. Waving palms. Lulavim. Hmm. Little hint on the time of the year. We have two of those in the book of Revelation. Little hint on when this is. Because in Jewish theology, 
Well, the, the, the king will take his seat on the throne at Sukkot. The final harvest is in. Let's celebrate. And you know what? In Revelation, because you're reading this, you know this. Right, right. You're reading it. The celebration already starts in heaven. And it's the biggest... I'll tell you one in a second. What, what is the biggest of? But then the celebration moves down to earth. And the king takes his place in the throne. Deborah asked me what I was going to say in about two minutes. Just say, what were you going to say? I'll get it. All right. All hell breaks loose. That's uh, Saturday morning. You don't want to miss that. Okay. The evening, the class, entitled The Return of the King. Nothing to do with uh, Lord of the Rings, okay? No. Way better. Way, way better. And in parentheses, he shall reign over all the earth. You know, Okay, now ask, ask me. Thank you, for, thank you for asking me. Ma- many people, it was symbolic, symbolic. Many people, m- maybe some of you, say, I don't want to study Re- Revelation because it's such a bad news book. It's plague after plague after plague and death after death and destruction and sickness and sorrow and disease and, and wars and blah, blah, blah. What's the, th- if you're going to, the overriding thing, it's there is worship. It's a book about worship, not about the bad stuff. It's a book about the good stuff. There's more good stuff than bad stuff. But Satan doesn't want you to see the, bad, the good stuff, so you focus on the bad stuff. Now, I don't want to go there. All those people dying and stuff. No, I don't want to go there. No. Look at the good stuff. The most joyful expressions of praise and worship. All, all the worship words found all through the Psalms are all in Revelation, sometimes right in a row. These phenomenal picture words. In Hebrew, there's these pictures of phenomenal things. It's a really good news book. Because finally the king, the return of the king. See, here's here's the problem. We have predestination, right? Do we have predestination? Okay, really? Well, you have prophecy. Remember, we talked about that last week. So some things are predetermined that are going to happen. And so the Bible says, a prophet will speak. And they did this all the time. And say, okay, this is going to happen after this. The uh, problem is that sometimes they don't tell you how much time is between this one and this one. Isn't that the case? Like in this case, as we start reading the book of Revelation, John says, as he's writing, and it's, and it's, it's going to happen really soon here. Uh, excuse me, John, it's been 2,000 years. Well, we have misread what that says. It doesn't say exactly that. But we're going to clear that up for you. And there's sometimes time in between things. The first coming, the second coming. And some of the prophecies, like in Isaiah, they're right together. Except we know there's a couple thousand years in between. Wouldn't it have been nice if he would say, by the way, here's how much time. Why doesn't he do that? Well, yeah because we would wait to repent until the last day, the last hour. No, because, okay, if we, let's suppose you knew. And by the way, when we get halfway through uh, Revelation, the exact number of days, talk about grace, the exact number of days that are left are actually said to us and given to us more than once. You can count down by the day. It's no longer hidden. I'm coming back on that day. That, yeah, now, it's like there will be no excuse 
Now, let's suppose you know that day. I know that day. All right? And so human logic is, well, there's really a couple sins I'm really liking a lot here. I'm really getting something out of this. And, and so I'm not going to repent of those last two until the day before. Surprise! You might get hit by a truck tomorrow. Because, you see, you may know when he's coming, but, surprise, he might be coming for you a little early. You might have an early flight, okay? First class, but an early flight. So you don't know when he's going to show up for you. So again, when Yeshua gives, every time he gives this, all these signs of the end and so on, and all this stuff, Matthew, Matthew 24 and 25, he doesn't say, so when that happens, get ready. No, he said, get ready now. Because his audience at that point, all of them except John were going to die really soon for their faith. And you might too. But the, the issue is, Yeshua said, always be ready. Well, you might, you might know in Revelation today I'm going to be coming back as king on the white horse. But I'm coming for you tomorrow night. He told a parable about that. The rich fool. The guy says, you know what? I'm a jillionaire. I'm going to quit work. I'm going to spend my money. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to sit back. And, you know, that's what I'm going to do. I have a teaching on that. Look it up. It's the, if, you, if you look at this, it's I, 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 I. The center is I, I, I. What would have happened if he would have given that money away? Huh? Invest, invest, and kick it? No. I, 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 I. He should have said, you fool. You're a rich fool. He said, tonight your soul is required of you. See, you don't know when that is. That's why he said, be ready. Be ready. For the Son of Man is coming for you at a time that you think not. That you think not. So be, the whole bottom line of the whole book of Revelation is that you would be ready. He, he, he keeps giving us information. The book is not a hidden book. It's to be known and, and understood. The greatest events of all time are about to happen. And let me tell you, the stage is set. Uh, where's the stage for the, the final events? Where is the stage? Oh, you messianic people. The stage is Israel. It is prophetically it is set. The things that, that had to happen, the last prophecies that had to be fulfilled before all this starts have been fulfilled. The location is the land of Israel. The land of Israel. And Satan's target is the city of Jerusalem. And his main target is Messianic Jews. I'll show you those verses. The stage is set. Who are the players? The Jewish people. We have some who are believers in Yeshua. Some are not yet. Now, what if I told you that if we did some little little calculations here and there, just maybe, if I was, if I was to ask you this question, uh, in heaven and in hell, I believe in hell, by the way. I believe it's a real place. It's a really bad place, too. Yeshua did, too. Talked about it twice as much as heaven. Uh, will there be more people in hell or in heaven? In, in all time, all time. More people in hell or in heaven? Statistically, see, the, the logical answer is hell. Statistically, it'll be heaven. That's just like that, huh? How is that? There are more people alive today, right now, than 
what have ever lived in history past. The population explosion is such that there are more alive now. When the events begin to take place in the book of Revelation, there is gigantic coming to faith in the Messiah, especially amongst Jews. I mean, it's not, it's not all done. All this stuff that, no. There's, there's, there's inward revivals. God and Satan are slugging it out. God wins. So the, the bottom line is, when, when it, through, about three or four times it talks about, and around the throne, where people of every tribe, kindred, language, the Great Commission worked. They were there from all these places in a worship service, bowing down before Yeshua as the king, praising, singing. doesn't say dancing, but can't help but think that they're, they're, they are. That is in the future, but John saw it has happened already. And he, if you're a believer, you are there. So there's really good news. So there probably, statistically, there, there's a chance that there's more people in heaven than in hell because of the end times events. Well, back to Sukkot. Okay, the return of the king. Okay, and then there's another class called All Things New. Parentheses, a new heaven, a new earth, a new Jerusalem, and a new you. This is good news. This is really good news. Because in those closing chapters, the final two chapters of Revelation, by the way, Jack, you, you know all this stuff, right? Um, who, only, okay, who saw God's face? Who? Oh, Moses and Yeshua. Okay. Moses shows up in Revelation more than once. We sing his song, all kinds of stuff. It's interesting, the Jewish players in Revelation, David, Moses, Elijah, interesting who they are. Huh? Well, maybe that's time past, how God re- revealed himself. But it says, when there's a new heaven and a new earth, that you will behold his face. It'll be a face-to-face. It's not like you're at the front and there's 8 million people in line ahead of you. <laughs> you know, I don't know how it works, but it says you, you will behold him face to face. I mean, eye to eye contact. Okay? Can you, that's how much he loves you. And, you know, that's a promise. That, that's an event that in God's mind has happened already. John saw you there. It's going to happen. Okay, here's what I said. New heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem, new you, it's not New York, new you, face to face in that place prepared for you. At the last Seder, he said, I'm going to prepare a place. It's a place, an actual place for you. Now, it's kind of a narrow place because it's going to be where I am. That where I am, there you will be also. You know, the best possible news there is, is that. You have made a heart-to-heart connection with the Messiah. At least you've been invited to do that. You've been invited to do so. Now, this really good sermon I was going to preach today, right here, was... uh, Answering your questions I got over the week of uh, free will and, and predestination, we're going to clear it all up once and for all. 
But the bottom line is, is, this, is simply this. God doesn't make mistakes, ever. He never makes a mistake. When it comes to salvation, we put our trust in him and him alone, in Yeshua. Okay, we put our trust in him. Our very soul is laid on the line. We trust him for our salvation. Not what we do, not what somebody else does. We trust him and what he has done for our salvation. When it comes to keeping us, okay, all the different debates, okay, well, they look at that from a Greek uh, worldview, all, all these debates. We trust him the same way to keep us because we can't keep ourselves. We can't save ourselves. We trust him to keep us. And um, he never makes a mistake. <clears throat> and above all, he knows your heart. And we come up with illustrations of, oh, I know these people have done this. And these people have done that. And this person was a relative. He turned his back on Yeshua. He went there he turned, he, and he died. Well, was he saying, I don't know. I don't know. But he knows. He never makes a mistake in his judgment. He never makes a mistake. And he's the only one who knows the heart. I don't know that guy's heart. I don't know your heart. I just know what you say and what you do. He knows your heart, and you can't fool him. He knows the heart, and his judgment is based on that. It's based on that. So, you know, whether you, you can do something to lose your salvation, or that you can sin all you want and you'll never lose it, see, those are not very good questions at all. The bottom line is, who are you trusting for your salvation? If you tell me I'm trusting Yeshua with all my heart, with all that I am, you're doing some, yeah, that's pretty good. All right? I'm trusting in him. What about to, to, as Paul said, he who is able to keep you from falling? Only he can do that. I'm trusting him for that too. But what about, well, Fred, you know, Fred, he, he was like that. You know, he taught classes and stuff, and he was pretty, but then he fell into sin. Then he got killed, run over by a truck, before he confessed it, before Yom Teruah. He got killed before Yom Teruah. Did he go to hell? I don't know. I don't know, but God knows his heart. Only God knows his heart. So all those illustrations, we can't prove a thing from those. Except, nobody I've ever known says, if you're saved, you can go out and sin all you want, and no matter what, you're still saved. I have never met a person who says that or believes it or does it. Okay? So don't worry about that, that one. On the other hand, people say, well, you know, on the way here, I, I thought a, a bad thought. I was tempted and I didn't confess it. I hit, hit, hit by the card that time I lost my salvation. I also don't know of anybody who thinks that either. We're talking about illustrations in people's lives, usually family members who stray away and so on. How, how is that going to work? Well, I trust him to save me. I trust him to keep me. <laughs> we don't have too many other choices, do we, on that? And he never makes a mistake. You know, how, how can I do the funeral service of a person that's not openly a believer? Hey, let me tell you, uh, is Mary Jean Hornish here? Mary Jean? I got to tell you. What can I say about Chuck? Man, we know what he believed. 
Isn't that nice at that point in time for you to get up and say, how many times did we hear Chuck praise God in our presence, okay? Now, those are the kind of services I like. Versus, well, I don't know about this guy. I don't really know. What do you say? What do I say? God never makes a mistake. He's in the hands of a loving God who has all information and who only, only he knows the heart and he makes his judgments based on that. But I'd rather be Chuck, okay, than that other guy because that, that's assurance right, right there. So when people say, well, do you believe uh, in the security of the believer? See, people say things like, do you believe in once saved, always saved? That is, that's not a good sentence because that implies that I can do whatever I want. Bad sentence. But the security of the believer, <clears throat> I say, are you a believer? Well, yes. Good. Stay that way. What about the guy that, well, you know what? I don't want to be that guy. And I don't know about them. But I do know what Yeshua said, that if you put your faith and trust in him, he gives you a gift. What's it called? Eternal life. How long is eternal? It's a gift. You don't deserve it. New heaven and new earth. He makes all things new, even you. What we see in these holidays is God's love and his grace. Because judgment is coming. And how many times does he have to say, are you ready? Are you ready? Paul summed it up like this. Interesting that, that, that Paul uses fall holiday lingo in his teachings. Uh, the, uh, the last trump, that's the tekiah gadolah, the final blowing of the shofar. When that last trump is blown, that last one, you know, there have been 99 other ones blown. You've had chances to repent. He's given you every chance there is. These holidays speak of his grace and his love. And second chances and third chances. And Fred, who went, anybody named Fred, sorry, who went, who went wandering the wrong way, I don't know if he's a prodigal son who's going to come back or a lost chief that, that, that he goes and gets, but I don't want to wander in the first place. And what Paul said was simply this. At this time of the year, examine yourself. Why? To see if you're in the faith, is what he said. Take a good look. And see if you are a believer. Are you a believer? If you are, you're in pretty good hands. You're in pretty good hands. Are you born again? And if you say, well, I think so. That's not good. But I pray this holiday season that what you and I can both do is show with others the, the mercy and grace and forgiveness of God. That he's got a second and third and fourth and fifth chances. But the book of Revelation says there's coming a day of no more chances. And that day is upon us. Are you ready? Are you ready? And the bottom line, when you get to the end of the book, the best is yet to come. The very, very best. Because what happens is Satan is locked up, taken out of the picture. What would it be like without sin? 
without the devil, without demons, without temptation. I don't know. It's going to be really good. It's going to be really good. That day is coming. And the emphasis upon that day and what follows is worship. Worship of the king. So, if that's the end of the story, we could be doing that stuff right now. Why don't we do what we're going to do in heaven? Start practicing. The, the focus is worship, worshiping him. Let's all stand. Lord, I thank you that as we take a look at this, the uh, end book of, of the scripture, you reveal to us the phenomenal things. You reveal to us your heart that you give us chance after chance after chance to repent. And people choose out of their own free will not to do so, not to receive the provision that you make, to stand on their own. In fact, they choose to follow the enemy on purpose. That's beyond my understanding on how they can do that. Lord, protect us from anything like that. Lord, I pray for the loved ones of people that have family in this room who do not yet know you. Lord, I pray that you would do whatever it takes to soften their heart and to bring them into a, a, a living faith relationship with you. And I pray, Lord, that you'd give us sensitivity in knowing how to approach them and speak to them, that we wouldn't be condemning, but we would be a light that shines. We would reflect Yeshua's love, grace, and mercy, and forgiveness, and the light that he has. But Lord, give us strength to stand firm uh, upon the convictions of Scripture, on what's right, and stand against what's wrong. Give us the grace to be able to say it in a way that's received by others without condemning them. But Lord, I believe that most of the people in this world want to know the di- what the difference is and why. And Lord, some of, the, some of your ambassadors have, have not represented you very well. Lord, I pray that we would do a tune-up and we would reflect your love and your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness. And that your kindness would come forth from us when we're dealing with people who are in sin. And instead of the condemnation, leave that up to you. But that we can, we can bestow upon them a loving way to say what is right according to your word. You have given us the rules. You've, you've told us what's right and what's wrong, what pleases you and what doesn't. I pray we can convey to people the things that are pleasing to you. Lord, our, our country, I pray that, we, that you would, we'd have some sense in marriage and the family and the values that are biblical. And I pray that we would stand strong on our right to have those values as a part of our, of our family and a part of our congregation. Lord, I pray that when, when, when the legal people come against us, we would stand firm and stand strong for righteousness. And I pray that you would give us that strength not to compromise, but to stand strong on the values that are in your word that you have given to us. And Lord, I pray for those who are trying to justify sin, that you would help us lovingly and gently to show them that sin. But that you have a solution and you love them just as much. Lord, I pray that you would make us instruments of reconciliation amongst the lost and dying world. Lord, right now I pray for the people of Syria. <laughs> Lord, I'm not sure who's the enemy and who's not, but I pray for those poor people who are victims of different kinds of leaderships and personal gain. Lord, I pray for your protection upon them. May there, may there be a a rallying that's supernatural in some way to save lives and do what's right. I pray for Egypt, Lord, that the killing of Christians and displacing of them from their homes and families and jobs would stop. 
They, they would have freedom of religion, that, that the other religions would be respectful of one another. Lord, I just pray your hand of protection to be upon those, those Egyptian Christians. May there be miracles done there like, like we've seen thousands of years ago. May your name be proclaimed a name of love and of forgiveness. Lord, I pray that we would not cease to pray for those people, for the people in the country of Jordan. Lord, I pray that they would stand strong for peace and for Israel and all the borders that she has of enemies. I pray we would not neglect the scriptures of praying for the peace of Jerusalem, the city that you will return to and sit on your throne, on David's throne, and be king. And all people will come from all countries and worship you in that beautiful location. Lord, I pray that you would not allow the United States or any other country to inadvertently bomb uh, innocent people. But you would, your hand of, 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 of protection, of restraint, your Holy Spirit would use that ministry of restraint to bring about peace in the Middle East. Lord, I pray that uh, we would have eyes that see and recognize what our enemy is doing and how he is manipulating people and governments to have them eventually follow him and not follow you. Thank you, Lord, that you told us the end of the story. And I thank you that, above all, we, we end in worship and in praise and seeing all of your promises fulfilled, all of your covenants kept, Everything you said will be done. Thank you that we can trust you in all these things. Lord, I pray this holiday season, as the shofar is blown, we would look within and clean house. In Yeshua's name, amen.